As parents, one of the things I think many of us are asking is, what is it all going to be like? What's it becoming? What is it going to look like when our children are older with their education and the political landscape and perhaps even the financial world around us? What is it going to look like with the kind of technology that's coming in? Maybe you talk to some of your parents or maybe you're a grandparent out there or maybe you're one of our members who's seen a lot of life and you're looking at the radical transformation that's occurred in your life and you're wondering, what is it going to be like in 10, 20, 30 years from now? This idea of what it's becoming can get even more frightening if you talk to anybody in the technological industry. Like I sat down with a guy who works in the, in the computers and microchip industry and he was discussing all the crazy things that are coming down the pike. The things they're experimenting with from whether it's tracking systems, facial identification like the level China's using, or even perhaps genetic transformations, in that, you know, implants in human bodies, crazy things that they're discussing and looking at, and some people even say are already here. But the bottom line is, as these technologies grow, we begin to wonder, is this place going to be what we think it is? Is this world going to be how we think it is? What the kind of philosophies and stuff that are being implemented, is there even going to be room for the faith? All this kind of stuff. And I believe a lot of these false dreams, a lot of this transhumanism, as it's called, and other pieces, is birthed out of the fact that we have stopped believing in the fourth movement of this four-movement story. We've been looking at the four movements of this four-movement family, what we're calling you to come to, where you don't examine your life in the moment, but you examine your life, you examine this moment in the four movements. And those four movements were the creation, the ruin, the redemption, and now what we're calling the becoming also termed the consummation. We know it as heaven. We know it as the end of everything, as God brings all of it together in this great becoming. What is the world becoming? Well, it's not what people think it is because we've abandoned this conversation about heaven. We've abandoned the conversation about eternity, even though there's plenty of evidence that those things are going to happen. We have the resurrection of Christ. We have people who have experienced, uh, you know, afterlife and come back. We have all kinds of interesting situations that speak to the fact that there is life after death and that there is an eternity that's coming. And so we want to understand that a lot of people are struggling because they've stopped believing in heaven. Some people just straight up fear the idea of an afterlife. They fear death in general. And so we've come up with a need for heaven on earth, right? The technologies and the economies to be perfect and to end human problems. You know, others of us have just gotten fearful of eternity itself, where you're like, man, what would it be like to live for eternity? Heaven sounds like it would just one day become boring because there is nothing new. All of these ideas are just the wrong-headed mentality about a God who's created everything, who's made this life exciting, who's made this world incredible, and can make the next world even greater. I want to dive into what it's going to look like. What is this world becoming? What are you and I in Christ becoming? Where are we going? What is it ultimately going to be like? Because, man, that should be driving us. Those promises should be exciting us because what it's all becoming in heaven should ultimately provide hope. And let me explain hope again. Hope is not wish fulfillment. Hope is not like, oh, I hope I, I, hope I get something for Christmas. No, it is like you spied out and found your Christmas present and you just can't wait to open the package. And you're begging your parents, can I open it the night before Christmas? Because you know what it is. And they're like, no, no, that is hope. You know it's coming. You know it's delivered. It's guaranteed to you. We just don't know when it's going to show up. And this kind of hope is the kind of hope that heaven should bring. Now, just for some clarification, when I talk about heaven, I don't mean the heaven that you're going to go to after you die. 
I'm talking about the heaven, the eternal state that we go to after we're resurrected, after we come back to life, after we receive our immortal, unshakable bodies, this opportunity to be like Christ forever and ever under His rule on a new planet in a new world. That's what I'm talking about. We're, we're going to be engaged in a new place. And there's an order of events that occurs here. And they help us understand what eternity is going to be like. See, the first movement, before we even get to enter into a brand new heaven and a brand new earth, is that we can have hope for justice and we can have hope for a reward. Now, this is critical to our conversation because we know what God intended. We know this place is marred in the wreckage. We know He's brought those two things together in redemption. He's using them together for the purpose. But to what end? Man, it seems like injustice continues. It seems like you work hard with the good that God's called you to do, but it doesn't seem to come out. And yet now, this is where you're going. You're heading towards justice. You're heading towards reward. This is where it begins. If you've got a Bible, open it up. We're going to be in Revelation. I want to show you a few verses here before we dive into our main text of Revelation 21. But here in Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, we pick it up. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. The books were open. Now that's an ominous sign. These books are the concept of your life and all of its written ledger, what you've done and how it works, sitting there. So all of these things are going. Then another book is open, which is the book of life. Well, that's obviously what we have in Jesus Christ. And so now we see that the dead were judged by what was written in these books according to what they had done. This is so critical because in life, when we have this final judgment, when we stand before God, we aren't judged simply by what you did with Jesus. No, we are judged by what we did. See, the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Over and over again, what they had done, what they had done. It's what you do that gets judged. Yes, your actions that you live today have merit and value and meaning. The good for the good and bad for the bad. When we do evil, they will be judged. There will be judgment that is brought upon it. You can be assured that every unjust, evil scenario where you've been devalued, harmed, and hurt will be dealt with by God. Amen. Have some hope that nobody's getting away with anything in this world. Whether they've stolen from you, whether they've harmed you, you are, you're, the things you've been victimized by, God is going to deal with fully and finally. That should bring inspiration. That should get us confident that, look, justice is coming because our works will be judged. Now, on one side, that should, uh, should make us fear a little bit because my works are going to be judged. The bad judged for what they are as bad. The evil judged for what it is as evil. And I'm a wreck, right? That's movement too, that I've been redeemed. And so we don't fear because our names are in that book of life. And yet God will judge these things. And so here's the thing. For us as Christians, where it's going and what's becoming is this is going to bring about comfort and hope. Our justice is coming. All the things that are done wrong to you because of your faith will be judged. All the things that we've done wrong will be judged. But Jesus bore the punishment on our behalf. If you're not a Christian, hear me. That's important to note. You have a choice right now. Do you let Jesus bear the judgment of that final day or are you going to take it? Do you think you can stand before God who knows all your thoughts and all your things and he's going to judge every issue and everything that you've done it's your works that will be judged and you know your works they're not all good 
How are you going to pay for that bad? Well, you need someone else to do it for you. Jesus Christ, God himself on earth, did it so that you could be in the book of life and not face the judgment alone. I'm telling you, you have a choice. You can either find your way into redemption or you can reject it. But here's the thing. When you reject Christ, you stand on your own works. It's not rejecting Christ that sends you to hell. It's not rejecting Christ that puts us into punishment. It's what we've done. And it's not one little sin. It's not your grandma up there being this nice little... No, no. Our lives are filled with it. You faced the wreckage, you know the result. And that is a messed up world, and a messed up heart, and a messed up life. And so when we see this, we've got to get into the reality that, guys, we've got to make a choice so that this judgment is not something that we fear, but something that brings comfort. Because it will fix the issues of life. Every evil will have been dealt with. Everything, every harm, every thought, every brokenness that has been done to you, you are able to be restored because there will be justice that is enacted. Forgiveness and moving on can occur for everyone in Christ. And we will move into eternity with a hope. And that means today we can still fight for justice. We can fight for the right things because we know God's going to bring it about. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to find all human justice all human justice is only going to do a little bit. And not every piece of justice is going to get met on earth by humanity. But God will bring justice. He will. Every single piece will be dealt with. And so we can be confident to strive to make a world better for the people around us. But trusting that we are not the answer. God will bring the ultimate justice. And so you may be exhausted, you may be broken and frustrated that this justice isn't working. Well, let me tell you, the best way to bring the ultimate justice in this world is preach the gospel, share Christ. Why? Because if somebody shares Christ, they come to the realization that they are a wreck and there's a redemption and now there's this opportunity coming, we'll make it right now. Is it, which, is, which is better, to wait for the racist to face the judgment or the racist to face himself on earth? Repent of his racism. Turn to those people he's harmed and repent. Which is better for the abuser to face the judgment and head to hell or the abuser to realize what they've done, face that person, apologize, begin to shape and change and redemption and move forward? Which is better for that person who's raped? All those things, right? This is the power. We want people to repent now, to transform now because that is where the justice can occur and people can move forward. I would hope no one has to face this, but there are plenty who will already. We don't need to see anymore. If you want to see the greatest changes of human hearts and the greatest justice come, let's get the gospel to people so they can receive it. Because they will face judgment and there will be justice. But there's also something else. For every Christian who's listening to this, there's reward. Your hard work, all the things that you do will be looked at. I believe for everyone, Christian or not, God will look at the good things that we've done and there will be a measure. Not everyone's going to the same level of punishment. There's a gradation. You can look that in scriptures. You can go take a look at that yourself. But the bottom line is for Christians, we're promised reward. Jesus said it this way. In the book of Revelation, at the end of chapter 22, he says, Behold, I'm coming soon, bringing my, and this is the word, recompense. You see that word? He brings it with me to repay each one for what he has done. There's that same terminology. The recompense can be reward for what we've done for Christ, and that is the reward we're looking forward to. Always, over and over, Jesus is talking about the reward, the reward for prayer, the reward for giving, the rewards that we will receive because we're persecuted, the rewards for giving up your life and following Christ. There is reward over and over and over. And at that judgment, God's going to mete out these rewards. He's going to give over to us the things that, honestly, we earned. 
by working on behalf of Christ. And we may have sacrificed on earth. Love always costs you. You're unfair to yourself. And God knows it, so He rewards it. He rewarded Jesus with exaltation. He rewarded Jesus with His name, placing Him, giving Him all right and authority. That's what the Scriptures indicate. In the same way, we are rewarded. And that reward is going to come to us. Now, I don't know what that exactly means, but it should bring you comfort that as you strive to reach your family, as you strive to share Christ with that kiddo, with that spouse, God sees it. God knows what you're going through. And God knows how you're being treated. And the effort itself is laudable. It's something Jesus is saying, well done. He's telling you just don't stop because they're rejecting love, care, keep sacrificing, keep going, keep pointing, keep praying, keep preaching, keep doing the things that you need to do because I see it and it's good. Guys, when you feel that fear and you press through it, there's a reward attached to that. There's an opportunity as you strive and care and love and serve at your church and do the things that God's called you to do. There is reward and it's coming in that day when he returns. So that when we enter into eternity after the resurrection, my friends, the rewards come with us. Now, what in the world does that reward look like? Well, it's a lot with how the world, what the world's becoming. It's going to look a lot like what it looks like in Revelation 21. Reward is not just eternal life. There's a lot more to it than that. But we kind of got to get the grounds of what heaven's going to look like. It's not clouds and angels and harps. Bling, bling, bling. No, that's not what we're doing. It's not boredom land and like... Oh, look, it's Peter on a cloud. Wish I had that one. You know, no. Like Corvette clouds and stuff like that. What we have is an opportunity of a new heavens and a new earth. Take a look at this as we move into Revelation chapter 21. If you've got your Bible open, John is writing the apocalypse of Jesus. He's showing off what's going to happen. And so as he writes it, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. We always joke that the surfers hate this line, but the sea is representative of the demonic realm, of the land of chaos, of all the evil and wickedness. Look, a new heaven, the abode of God, refreshed and made new, where we can dwell in it. A new earth, where everything's right, the new universe, it's all put together. Uh, you know, there are some speculate that means we still have opportunities to explore the stars. We still have opportunities to explore the worlds, because that's what God intended for us in the first place before the fall when we were eternal beings, right? Now we're renewed, we're reconstituted to explore heaven, to explore the earth, to have all this stuff. And there's no chaos, no evil, no destruction that remains. And so what we have is this new resurrected world. And we look to Jesus' resurrection as the blueprint. Some of you have thought that heaven's just floating around staring at God. No. Heaven is like Christ's body, which is identifiable as Jesus, right? You can see it's Jesus. It's a physical body. It eats food. It's still human. And yet, it's greater than just these bodies. It's capable of going into heaven. It's capable of exploring this world. It's imperishable. And this, this is the beauty of what you and I have in Christ. We can have this new life, this new opportunity where everything is remade, and that brings hope. It brings a great hope. The first hope is, in what's all becoming, we can hope for a reversal of the ruin. This mess and wreckage of of movement two is redeemed and restored and now it's becoming new it is reversed now check this out um, we, we all seek an ideal to defeat sin we all seek an ideal to get out of this mess to get out through science or religion like we talked about at the beginning but this reversal of the ruin this reversal of the ruin brings about a cure to all this mess the healing 
And it's our hope of a restored world, a restored ecology, a restored universe, a restored everything. And look at how this is stated. He says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Let's just stop there for one second. First of all, you notice the city is described as a bride. This means that, guys, you and I, we are, we are beloved. We are cherished by God. He's bringing us in. He's going to protect, provide. He's going to bring us into his home. That's what the ancient world did with their brides. They brought them in. They provided their home. They gave them everything that they needed. They enabled them to be fully what they could be. And God's like, you're my bride. Come here. I would love you. You are mine. And I'm going to care about you. I'm going to bring you into my home. And, and this is fascinating because this is also a city, right? So a city is, is this beautiful, we'll see it's later, a garden city. It's a gorgeous city. This is the redeemed place of, he, of heavenly humanity, right? We're back to the garden of the first movement mixed with the cities of the ruin. And boom, it's new. Just like in redemption, your fall and this Intention comes together in a new fusion of ministry. So in redemption, the city and the connection of the church and the beauty of this garden, as we see later, all fuses together into a garden city paradise of culture and wonder where God is at the center of everything. This is a brilliant, brilliant imagery thrown throughout this whole thing. And, and here's the thing. In the center of all of this is God, right? In the center of it, we find God. It goes on. God is going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he was seated on the throne and said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for the words are trustworthy and true. And then he, he finishes it off with this. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give him the spring of the water of life. That means living forever, right? Without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And he will be his God, and he will be my son. Maybe you don't like the bride concept, but you'll be his child, his son. You're going to live in his home. He's going to provide for you. He's going to be the one who cares for you. Not a government God. Not, not a parent God. We have the one who's going to care for us with a great heritage. We inherit the earth. And I love this because what we you now enter into is this idea of God being our centerpiece of God being everything that we are looking for. This is critical because we're his son. If he's the centerpiece, as we'll see later, there's not even a temple. He's in the middle of it all. That means that you and I get to be in the presence of God himself. The wreckage is over. The ruin is reversed. All that junk with, that was happening back there is over, and now we step forward. And it's huge. It's the city. There's room for everyone. The ruin is undone so that we can engage with God at a level of intimacy. I love this. I love this because here's the thing. If there's room for everyone, that means that we've got a chance right now to continue to preach and, and bring the gospel, hoping and praying and pointing for those around you. And in fact, you may not even know if they come to Christ. You may die before they do. You may lose relationship and meet them again in heaven. You don't know, but don't think that there's a no occupancy sign that's been placed in heaven and we're all done. No, God gives the opportunity. He wants the whole world to hear it, and then it says he will return. That's why we're on mission at Olive Branch. That's why we press forward to the nations. That's why we want to talk to our friends. That's why we love, live, and share Christ wherever we go. It's a new earth. Look, we can hope for a reversal 
of the ruin. It's all been flipped back. That second movement where the wreckage has come has been stopped. Notice how the scriptures continue forward. It says, And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, right, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. I love this. Let's stop there for a second, because what we're beginning to see here is that God is describing us as, as this bride. Here, we are beloved. He wants to bring us into his home. He wants to connect with us and bring us into this place. And this is critical because he's making a connection. He's saying, I want to provide for you. I want to care for you. I want you here with me. Now, it goes on, he goes to say that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Finishes off with, he says, Look, it's done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. The thirsty I will give the spring of water without payment. The one who conquers has this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. I love this because what it is ultimately saying is that the broken relationship with God is over. In that ruin, the first thing that was bad is we were hiding from God. Now it's done. We're not hiding anymore. We're intimately connected with God. The sin is gone. There's no, all the old things are over. Our broken relationship with God is done. I don't know about you, but man, that excites me. I'm so sick and tired of sinning, tired of hurting other people. I'm tired of sinning against God, so my heart is weeping and broken and I've grieved the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for the day that I could go a decade, I could go a hundred years without ever sinning again, without ever feeling that weight and that disappointment towards God. Oh, bring it on. That's where we're going. That's what we're becoming. So right now, let that give you hope. If you're wrestling with your sin one day, indeed, it will be over. Contemplate that. Look forward to that. Get excited about that, where you're not going to hurt God anymore. And God's presence is intimately with us. Say, what? Yeah, check this out. He goes on in verse 10. He says, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy cities. Now we're going to look at Jerusalem. We're going to look at the city that came down, right? And it has the... They're coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. And we can get into whether this is real or physical or imagery or all that stuff. The bottom line is, this is a great high mountain, a new kingdom, a new way of living, a gorgeous city. It is the people of God. It is Jerusalem. It is the centerpiece of all of life on earth. And there it is. It's, it's where we live in a city. Now remember, we lived in a garden. Well, the garden got corrupted, so then we lived in cities. Well, what God is going to do, He's going to fuse that garden and city together so that we can dwell with Him where He is the center. Notice how it continues. It goes on. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and, and the gates 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel are inscribed. And these gates, there are north gates and south gates, and on the west gates, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations. On them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Hey, this is a fusion of all of Jewish believers and Christian believers together. It's protected. It's firm and solid. All of eternity is built on it. We're going to be protected. It is beautiful, right? No more, no more problems. Those gates are always open. It goes on. The one who spoke to me had a measuring rod of gold. Measure the city and its gates and its walls. And the city lies four square. 
its length and name and its width and or length same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, its length is width, height, they're equal. So he measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. Now, people have gotten into like, oh, there's a gigantic thing bigger than the earth and it just warp space and time, it can't be a cube. Okay, time out. This is an image. And the image is of a cube, a perfect cube. Now, the only other place we find a perfect cube in Scripture is the Holy of Holies. What it is saying is that all of, the, all of this city is the holy place of God. And we will dwell in a city, in a paradise, in the presence of God where it's no longer ruined. Guys, I get it this way. When we talk about the rewards that you may earn, I believe they have something to do with entering into the presence of God. There's no temple here, just God's presence. It is a temple. The whole thing is. We are its priests. We are filled with the Spirit. We are His body, right? All that continues. And then we step into the presence of God. And maybe you get a few weeks. Maybe you get a day. Maybe you get whatever. Your reward will range or vary according to how you serve God. And I believe it's going to be so overwhelming. It's mind-blowing. When we think about intimacy in our world, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is sex. Sex is, a, is only the culmination of great intimacy in a marriage. There are other forms of intimacy in which you have this connection with someone, a brotherhood, a family connection in which you know one another and you support one another, and it's, it's deep and powerful. But I also believe this is what happens with drugs and things, the euphoria and stuff. What causes us to become junkies with these things is, is the inspiring, overwhelming euphoria that we feel. I have a tendency to believe that everyone in heaven is a junkie a junkie on God. We just can't stop getting enough of God. Now we get in front of him and euphoria and amazement is there. We're just blown away. And, and you're like counting the days until you get to go back into the presence of the Father himself and experience the overwhelming glory of who he is and the beauty. And it just comes out of you. And you just be like, I love this. I can't get enough. You leave and be like, oh, I can't wait to go back. He's got something for me to do, but I can't wait to go back. I believe the rewards are probably associated with that, and we can't imagine the wonder that's coming. The size of this thing is also huge because there's room for everyone, my friends. You may be reaching to your neighbor, your friends. You may be reaching to your children, and you may die before any of them come to Christ. You may even not have a relationship with them when they come to Christ, but you've tried, and you've reached, and you preached, and you prayed, and you pointed. But ultimately what occurs is that they come to Christ when you didn't know it. This is so large, there's not going to be a no occupancy sign. It could fill all of humanity. It could put everybody in there. And that's the point. It's so huge. It's a city the size of a world that can contain everybody in history. And that's, that's the idea, my friends. Let's not think that the no occupancy sign's been hung and everybody's been saved. No, we go into the nations to reach people for Christ. We're going to love, live, and share Christ, to make Him known wherever we go, because, man, it's when the gospel's preached in all the nations, Jesus says, then He'll return. And there's room for everyone. We don't have to freak out and fear that. And in fact, what's awesome about that, then, is not only is our relationship with God fused and brought back together, and that sin is over, and that wreckage is done. Guys, now we realize the wreckage of relationships with others is over. It's done. We get to have relationships again. There'll be everybody there. We'll be called the bride of Christ. Intimacy has come with God, but also we're going to have no death, nor pain, nor any of these things anymore. All those broken relationships is over. Everyone will be made family. We're all sons and daughters of God. And with the, stop and think about that. If you live in somewhere for eternity, eventually you'll get to know everybody. 
And eventually we'll have a relationship with everybody at the level of a family. I mean, that's a huge family. But when your brain works right and you can memorize names and you remember people and you get excited about what, it is an incredibly beautiful thing. And that means a couple things. You have some broken relationships on earth with Christians who you shouldn't reconcile with yet because of the danger they put you in. They may have come to Christ and you may doubt and struggle, but when you see them in heaven, they may have been your abuser. They may have been somebody who did some horrible evil to you or your family. But in heaven, the justice is dealt with. Everything is done and reconciliation is truly possible because the truest who truest person they are will be there sanctified and made right because they are no longer a sinner. It's not there. It's dealt with. It's judged. It's gone. And true reconciliation will happen. All the harms and hurts and things will have been dealt with, and now we enter into true ability for humanity to get along. All, the, all that wreckage is over, and God has used it to His glory, and now, boom, we have this opportunity to really connect with someone. So right now, maybe you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to reconcile. I'm supposed to, like, they came to Jesus, and they're kind of, no. There will be a time, and you can be confident that that time will be an eternity. But it may not be right now, and God's not calling to that right now, but there will be a day in which it will be. I'd rather you be safe and protected and hope for the reconciliation in eternity than right now put yourself in danger again. And so I want you to know that can give you strength. That's where we're going. There will be reconciliations with relationships. It will be right. Some of us, we need to make that now, but others of us, no, it's coming. There's also the fact that you will be fully valued. God values his bride. God is going to say, I love you. You're brothers and sisters. You're my image. Everything we do will show up God's image. You'll play sports games, and it's not going to be this com- competition where we put people down. It's going to be honoring each other. Check that out. That was amazing. God did that. Oh, he, you represent him so well. It's the best of us that's coming out in our competition. There's the best of us that will come out in our games. It's the best of us that's going to come out when we engage. It's not going to be a situation where we do wickedness in the midst of our fun and activities. It's going to be the opportunity to celebrate the value as God has made each of us. No more pegging with boxes. We're just going to celebrate that God has made us to represent Him uniquely. What an amazing place that all that relationship is made right. And you can look forward to that day where your value will be put right. And you may be struggling with your value, but no one day you will not. No one day it will be over. And you can have hope that you will go to that place and have you're like, but, it, but it's there now. Yes, but sometimes all you need is a picture that this is temporary. I'll tell you what, I've gone through enough surgeries, especially with my mouth and oral stuff, that the only reason that I was able to get through it without freaking out because I hate, hate, hate oral surgeries is that I knew it would one day be over. I knew in about a week it would be done. I knew that in about, and it helped me get through the moment because I could evaluate the moment by the whole picture, right? But there was a coming. There was a big something that was on its way. And I want you to see that for your value. I want you to see that with your relationships. I want you to see that because this wreckage that's in the ruin is reversed. It's over. And the wreckage of life will be over as well. Man, there's this opportunity to enjoy life again, to see it fully. All of those struggles, if you struggle with disease, if you're struggling with a chronic disease, with chronic pain, if you're struggling with a a genetic issue, or maybe your children are, and you've wept and mourned, Jesus says you will be comforted. There's a day when it will be over. When our children, who may have been struggling with various kinds of things, maybe Down syndrome or something, they will be fully themselves as their bodies will be fully back. Not that they're not fully themselves right now, but they will be even more so. All the hopes and dreams return and they know Christ and they're resurrected. All of that is over. 
All of the suffering and the ruin that comes is done. All those lost babies will be there, and boom, you're going to meet those children ready to engage with them. And I believe that it's going to be an awesome place where your body is perfect and no longer corrupted. That's what Paul told us. He actually says that um, he, in the resurrection of the dead, what is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. In fact, we see it here. He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. There's no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain. It's all over. And what an opportunity. We don't have to fear death because what you're going to receive, my friends, is eternal youth. I love telling people that, hey, aren't you excited you're one day closer to eternal youth? They're like, but eternity is a long time, man. Think about it. If every day was like you were 25 with all that energy and you could play sports all day and not get hurt and it was an awesome day and you felt great and you didn't sin and you, got, you were talking about God and there was fellowship, wouldn't you want that day again? Of course you would. And if it never changed, you'd want that day every day. And that's heaven. That's what it is along with opportunities to be in the presence of God, opportunities to see people and get to know people like you, you always want to know because they knew Jesus Christ. Guys, this is an incredible reality, and it's what's coming. It gives you hope, a hope that this ruin is going to be flipped, a hope that we can have this opportunity, and a hope that even your potential, my friends, is going to come back. Because with the lack of death and disease, with the lack of these things, yes, your potential will return. You say, what? You said I can't reach my potential on this earth. The fall has ruined that. But in eternity, if you know Jesus Christ, indeed, your potential will be met. You want to make that great movie? And you said, I can't. I don't have time for that. I've got to raise a family. I got to. You want to write that awesome book? But you had to set that aside for the sake of something, something that was more important for the toil of your family. You want to be able to, to invent that thing or, or do that science experiment or climb that mountain or do that, but you didn't have the finances. You didn't have the, even the health to do that. These dreams return, my friends. Because when the body is made right and all these things, you don't think that our Father in heaven doesn't want to gift His children with the hearts, the things their hearts have longed for that are good? Of course He does. There are pleasures at His right hand, He says. It's no wonder that we go on and says, by, by its light, meaning the light of God Himself, the nations will walk. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. The, and its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. There will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Guys, this means the wonderful stories and the awesome films and the great fire that sits there and they would tell the epic poems. All of the wonder of human creation and the good that will be brought into this city will be incredible. What a awesome chance that you will return to the potential that God has made for you in all your creativeness and all your thinking and all of your abilities and they will be met to their max as you learn and have time to discover time to read that time to discuss engage in that as time to explore that time because time's not a factor anymore what a glorious glorious reality you can return and so I challenge you maybe right now yeah you've had to set aside some of those desires of youth for a time. To, to raise a family, to be unkind to yourself, right? To be unfair to yourself for the sake of another. Maybe you had to set those things aside because you wanted to be potential, but you decided instead, you know, I really am going to have a family. I'm really going to do what's right here. I'm really going to engage. I'm going to enter, oh, the rat race. Yes, it will be 12. No matter what you choose, it will be 12. Maybe you never got married. Maybe you thought, I've sacrificed all this life, but God redeems it. He rewards it, and then he brings about that full potential completely. 
That lack of intimacy will come in the relationships of everyone. And this is the glory of what we get. The, re the ruin is reversed. And the beauty of all that God has desired in the intention through the shaping of the fall and redemption comes to full fruition, and it's in that becoming. And so we can hope, even for one great thing, we can hope for answers. How many times have we sat around wondering why? God, why this? God, why that? And I believe that you will know because we've been promised after he talks about the redemption, Paul says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, I believe that will be clearly seen when we enter into eternity. We'll see why that suffering happened. We would never want to write that story, but I believe one day we could sit there and I wonder if, if eternity doesn't start with like movie marathons as God makes the movies. And who, what happens is he shows us what he was doing. And he tells it in epic, epic poetry, in plays. He shows it on the big screen. He shows it in 3D or whatever. And literally, we watch God's epic story played out through our lives. Where you're not the star, but even the suffering, even the tension, even the sin. He goes, this is what I was doing. Here's how I worked it. Here's how I moved it. Here's how I made it this way. And we're just blown away. We're like, wow, God, what did you do? We will even understand to the point of like, well, I prayed and prayed and prayed. Why didn't they come? I think well, that'll be settled in our hearts. I had a friend once who said, you know, I don't know how I'm going to handle it if my dad's not there. You know, he doesn't believe in Christ. And I was like, look, I understand that. But here's the difference. What if someone came up to you and started insulting your mother, who you love, and he loved his mom? I mean, calling them names and calling her awful things, you would be ticked. Uh, you would be ready to defend. You would stand up and start yelling at him, get out of here, don't talk to my mom about like, right? Now imagine with me on that day of judgment earlier where our family members that we love, that we prayed for, that we pointed, that we, we, we called to, stands up and starts reviling God in his face because they are just so angry that he would judge them at all. You didn't give me any evidence and, blah, 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 and you'd be like, your heart would love God so much because you've been so oriented to him. You would start defending God. You'd be like, what are you talking about? And we would see that God's judgments are right and true. And so I do believe that there will come this place where we will have an understanding. You see, Job suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered and suffered. And it wasn't in all the answers with words. It was when he stood in the presence of the whirlwind, who was God's presence to him, that he went, now I get it. In the presence of God, the answers come, and there can be hope. There's hope that he will work even your mistakes into his beautiful story. There is hope that we can live with confidence because God knows what he's doing is the great planner. As even in this wreckage, he redeems it. And in redemption, we're going to see what he was doing. And I think we're going to stand back and go, whoa, God, that's incredible. How did you do that with that mess? How did you do this with that? We'll be blown away by God's goodness over and over and over because the ruin is reversed. There'll be hope to have answers. There'll be hope for a new world, a hope for these new relationships. There'll be hope for this kind of heaven. Man, if that doesn't stir your heart and get you excited, I don't know what will. But it's critical that we have this peace because I want you to evaluate the moments of your life, not by the moment, but by the four movements. I want you to think about that. If you have a child that's just been born to you, yeah, there's this beautiful intention. And so explore that intention. Who's this kid and what are they going to be like? But no, it's going to be fallen. No, your child's going to sin. No, your child's going to have a bend towards the things of this, of this world. But at the same time, pray and point because redemption is here. And when that happens, even the story and journey they go through will be welded into 
that very redemptive story. And it is guaranteed that it will be glorious and used, that God is using it. And so you can have a hope in the midst of that child's life that God has a great purpose. You've been praying for that purpose and excited about that purpose. You know, someone's died in your family. And so you can remember that person by remembering God's intention, but not ignoring their fallenness. You acknowledge that they were a mess. You acknowledge that they were broken. But if they knew Christ, then you can see how those two things came together in his redemption and what God was doing. You can share that knowing that that person is headed and going to have a perfect, reconciled life. That person may have harmed you. That person may have been horrible in the wreckage. But now, man, in their healing, that, those traits are gone in the redemption, in this ultimate consummation, in this what they're becoming. Maybe you felt rejection. Maybe you felt pushed away. Maybe you felt broken. Well, remember God's intention. God intended who you were to be, your value in the image of God. And yes, you can face that brokenness of that rejection. You can face that brokenness of those issues, and you can see what's going on, and you can pray for that redemption in that other person and redemption of your own. God, what were you doing here? Reveal to me what's going on, because I know in the end it will be used to your glory, and I know in the end this will be made right. It's all four movements that help us acknowledge the reality of life. Beautiful intentions, horrible wreckage, but both can be used in a fusion of, of redemption and are coming to a great becoming where it will all be right and perfect. Guys, I hope that that's how you begin to evaluate the story of your family, the story of your life, the story of a church. These four movements become the framework by which we will evaluate, and I trust that you will do that. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, your story will be different. You do not have that hope of God using the mess of your life and your intentions together because it's God who does that, not you. And if you reject that, you will have wreckage because it will only be what you have. You will never leave that second movement. So I implore you today, don't. Don't ignore that Jesus Christ bore the fall, bore your sin, bore that brokenness, and accepts you right now in that second movement destruction. And he says, come to me. I love you. Look at your heart for a second. Stop with the busyness and see the brokenness that God wants to renew, redeem, and make right through His Son, Jesus. He doesn't ask you to do it for yourself. He asks you to receive His gift and transformation by His Spirit. He says, here is the cross of my Son, Jesus Christ. He bears the sin and the fall. Here is His resurrection. He brings you into a new redemption, just as His life and death fuse into a new purpose so your life your old life and your death to that old life fuse into a new purpose. And in the resurrection that you come to, you will have perfect life. All of it will come back together. This is a gift He offers you. You don't fix it first. No, you come and receive Him just as you are in all the mess and all the brokenness and all the things you're hiding and denying. You come to Him first. He redeems you and makes you. He, be, he makes a new you and shows you what we're becoming. That's the hope. I want to offer you that today. If you will simply receive it, just pray this with me. You say, Father in heaven, I trust that Jesus Christ has taken the wreckage of my soul on the cross. I am indeed a sinner, and I need this gift. I receive it now. Would you please give me that new life? Give me that new intention. Redeem me. Because I long to be with you. I long for the relationships to be right. I long for this world, and I want to be a part of that. Would you please, please give me the life 
that leads that day. I trust you, Jesus, that you're giving me that gift. I trust you, Jesus. I'm ready to follow you all the way into that world. Lead me now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to let us know. You can do that by texting the, text the word um, here at the bottom of the screen to the number, and I want you to just be able to say, hey, I did this. Otherwise, you can raise a hand right now if you're watching this online live. Let somebody know you made that, or just tell somebody you're sitting with watching that you've made this decision. You can even come down to the church. We'd love to connect with you, get you some information, get you a Bible if you don't have one, answer some questions. Hey, you may not even be ready to receive this, but you have some deep questions, but you want to. You want to receive it, but you're just like, i got to have this question answered. Come down to the church. We'd love to connect with you. Get you involved in something called Starting Point and help you begin to really grow and develop. We really, really want to answer the questions because we want you to be there with all of us in eternity. And so, hey, if that's where we're headed, I pray that it goes with you this week and that it challenges you to walk right into this world confident in the hope of what Jesus Christ has given us. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week.